Numbers chapter 2, these are God's words. And Yahweh spoke to Moses and Aaron, saying, Every one of the children of Israel shall camp by his own standard beside the emblems of his father's house. They shall camp some distance from the tabernacle of meeting. On the east side, toward the rising of the sun, those who of the standard of the forces with Judah shall camp according to their armies. And Nashon, son of Amenadab, shall be leader of the children of Judah. And his army was numbered at 74,600. Those who camp next to him shall be the tribe of Issachar, and Nethanel, the son of Zuar, shall be the leader of the children of Issachar. And his army was numbered at 54,400. Then comes the tribe of Zebulun, and Eliab, the son of Helon, shall be the leader of the children of Zebulun. And his army is numbered at 57,400. All who are numbered according to their armies of the forces of Judah, 186,400. These shall break camp first. On the south side shall be the standard of the forces with Reuben, according to their armies, and the leader of the children of Reuben shall be Elizur, son of Shedeur. And his army was numbered at 46,500, and those who camp next to him shall be the tribe of Simeon, and the leader of the children of Simeon shall be Shalumiel, the son of Zerishadai, and his army was numbered at 59,300. Then comes the tribe of Gad, and the leader of the children of Gad shall be Eliasaph, son of Reuel. And his army was numbered at 45,650. All who are numbered according to their armies of the forces with Reuben, 151,450. They shall be the second to break camp. And the tabernacle of meeting shall move out with the camp of the Levites in the middle of the camps as they camp. So they shall move out, everyone in his place, by their standards. On the west side shall be the standard of the forces with Ephraim according to their armies. And the leader of the children of Ephraim shall be Elishama, son of Amihud. And his army was numbered at 40,500. Next to him comes the tribe of Manasseh, and the leader of the children of Manasseh shall be Gamaliel, son of Pedasur, and his army was numbered at 32,200. Then comes the tribe of Benjamin. The leader of the children of Benjamin shall be Abidan, son of Gideoni, and his army was numbered at 35,400. All who are numbered according to their armies of the forces with Ephraim, 108,100, they shall be the third to break camp. The standard of the forces with Dan shall be on the north side, according to their armies. And the leader of the children of Dan shall be Ahiezer, son of Amishadai. And his army was numbered at 62,700. Those who camp next to him shall be the tribe of Asher. And the leader of the children of Asher shall be Pagiel, son of Ochran. And his army was numbered at 41,500. Then comes the tribe of Naphtali. And the leader of the children of Naphtali shall be Ahira, son of Enan. And his army was numbered at 53,400. All who are numbered of the forces within, 157,600. They shall break camp last with their standards. These are the ones who are numbered of the children of Israel by their fathers' houses. All who are numbered according to their names, according to their armies of the forces were 603,550. But the Levites were not numbered among the children of Israel, just as Yahweh commanded Moses. Thus the children of Israel did according to all that Yahweh commanded Moses, so they camped by their standards. And so they broke camp, each one by his family, according to their father's houses. Amen. That sends this reading of God's inspired and inerrant word. Uh, in last week's passage, in chapter 1, uh, the Lord showed Israel many things, just by the fact that uh, he numbered them, uh, those numbers, uh, would remind them that the Lord was uh, their sovereign, that he ruled over them, that that he was faithful to multiply them, that he uh, expected them 
uh, to fight in the war, although he would give them victory, yet this did not take away responsibility, but rather uh, reinforced it, that the God who was uh, giving the land to them was giving it to them by means of their armies, by means uh, of their warring. And now he continues to teach them, not just uh, by the fact that he numbered them and uh, what their numbers uh, were, as he is about to uh, do this impossible thing of moving a two million plus person mega city nation through the wilderness. Uh, but now he comes, uh, he gives them his wisdom for uh, how he's going to accomplish that by the order that is among his people. The order now is uh, a means, a mechanism, an instrument that the God who is going to take them uh, through the wilderness is going to use. Uh, and so the, the camp has uh, a assigned, designed layout. God is the one who decides the order of his people. Uh, God is the one who is intentionally making them mobile. God puts himself at the center of their camp. Uh, and then God puts himself uh, at a distance. Uh, first then, God decides the order of his people. Uh, notice that he's referring to all of these things uh, as camps. There's the camp that is with Judah. There is the camp that is with Reuben. There is the camp of the Levites. Uh, there is the camp that is with Ephraim. Uh, and there is the camp that is with Dan. This camp language is not just mobile, like we're going to think about in the second place, uh, but it's uh, it's also army language. The camp of David versus the camp of Saul, or versus the camp of Absalom, perhaps you remember that sort of language. Um, but God is the one who has not just said that they should be in camps, but which camps where, which three tribes in each of the four, uh, and then the Levites in the middle uh, with the tabernacle, uh, who will be taken in, uh, instead of the firstborn. They're not, uh, they're not numbered for the war, but they are numbered for uh, the rede redemption of the firstborn. That'll come later. But God is the one who uh, arranges them uh, now as an army and a church gathered around the tabernacle, as it were, uh, and arranged for war and arranged for travel. Uh, and notice that part of his arrangement is uh, the institution of the family. Uh, they are uh, put alongside uh, their brothers and their fathers. Uh, there is... Uh, an intentional family relation, uh, even those who came from Rachel altogether, the children of Joseph and the children of Benjamin, uh, on down to uh, you would be with your own household uh, and w within your uh, your tribe, you would be according to, to father's houses. Uh, so those who are nearest relations uh, would be alongside one another uh, and God appointed for each tribe a man who would be over that tribe to make sure that all of their families uh, were alongside one another. 
And this is a strong reinforcement to the fact that God is the one who picked your family for you. God is the one who who, who picked the, the place that you would be born into, whether it's here for Israel and your great-grandfather and your grandfather and your father, so that the particular nearness or the particular distance of your relations is exactly decided by God. Uh, and this is something that we uh, must not grumble against or resist, but receive as wise and good. Uh, you say, well, there are sinners in my family. Well, that was going to be true, whichever one he put you in. Uh, and yet, what, to whatever extent there has been grace in your family line, that is opposite what you deserve. Uh, and so there is the uh, there is the mercy, or uh, from last night's sermon in Romans, uh, there is the goodness uh, of God already. Uh, but this trains us to receive the family itself as God's institution, uh, and to receive our own particular family then as God's particular mercy to us and plan for us. You know, what is God's will for my life? Uh, well, just now, God's will for my life is that I should be my uh, father and mother's child and my brothers and sisters' siblings, and that we might uh, we might have our family relations. God also picks the leaders. You know, within each family, God picks uh, the husband and father uh, as the leader, every bit as much as he picks by name uh, Nashon, son of Amminadab, uh, to lead the tribe of Judah. Uh, and... Uh, just as we were saying a moment ago, God picks our families. Nashon is in Jesus' family. And so God, who is going to send his son into the world, uh, makes uh, this particular man to appear in, in Jesus' genealogy. Uh, and uh, you know, praise God for Matthew Henry and uh, perhaps others before him uh, and like him who rightly recognize this puts Christ in the loins of Nashon uh, as the leader of the first tribe. He leads Israel out in the wilderness. Uh, and indeed, uh, God had uh, sent his angel before them, uh, making uh, this mighty appearance of Christ with the pillar and the fire uh, to go before them uh, as well. Uh, but God is the one. Who, who picks our leaders, uh, whether in the in the family, where it's a little bit more obvious, just it's uh, biological, and then in marriage, I guess, covenantal, uh, or in the providence of whom he gifts and graces, and in the following of his word. And uh, we receive the elders and deacons that he has appointed to us, but uh, don't we remember from 1 Corinthians twelve eighteen that God has set the members, each one of them, in the body, just as he pleased. And so God is the one who has uh, ordered, given not just the general order of his people, uh, but even down uh, to the very specifics of who your own particular family are, who the particular nearest leader over you in his church uh, is. Those things have been uh, assigned to us. The Lord has selected them, and following them then is a matter of obedience. That's the conclusion of the chapter, isn't it? Thus the children of Israel did according to all 
that Yahweh had commanded Moses. Uh, and so later in the book of Numbers, when, uh, when there are those who raise themselves up against Moses, even at one point, uh, remember, uh, Aaron and Miriam had done this. Uh, but in the book of Numbers, when the when people rebel against God's uh, organized structure, it's a rebellion against him. In the second place, um, God intentionally made them mobile. This isn't just uh, where do they, they are to camp in relation uh, to the tabernacle, but when they are to set out, they're always to be ready to move. They are not at their final destination yet. This is not their ultimate inheritance. It's from the Lord. It's the place that he's putting them. It's the place that they are uh, to love him and love their neighbor, and serve him and serve their neighbor. But it's not their home. It's not their rest. He calls coming into the land their rest. Well, he then comes to us, doesn't he? Psalm 95, Hebrews 3 and 4. And he refers to uh, what happens when we depart from this life as entering our rest. He reminds us that we are uh, we are in the place that he put us, in the place to love him. You're in the place where you're supposed to love him and love your neighbor, love your brother, especially your nearest neighbors and your nearest brothers in this house. Uh, and this is the place to love him and serve him, to love them and serve them. This is not your final destination. Uh, you are always to be uh, ready uh, to move, ready for some new place that the Lord takes you, some new service uh, that the Lord gives you. Uh, you can be at home anywhere because the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, and he is your father. And so you're always on your, uh, your daddy's land, uh, as it were. So you can be at home anywhere, but in this world, uh, nowhere is your home. You are looking for a better country, a lasting city whose designer and builder is God. Uh, and this that his people looked for throughout throughout the administration uh, under Moses and even before Moses, Hebrews uh, goes, uh, goes back further, of course, uh, than Moses, even to Abel. This is still the mindset that we are to have the mindset of walking by faith, the mindset of not yet being at our destination because God, uh, according to the everlasting covenant uh, in the blood of the Lord Jesus, has not finished perfecting us and working in us everything is pleasing in his sight. And so as we often hear that blessing at the end uh, of Hebrews 13, even then we're being reminded uh, that although we can be at home here, uh, because God is the one who is doing this work, and we belong to him. We are not yet home. Uh, this is not our home. We are to live with a pilgrim mindset. So God is the one who has decided the order of his people. Excellent, beautiful order. This is, uh, incidentally, you may remember, when Balaam gets himself to a vantage point so that he can pronounce a curse upon Israel, and the Lord fills his mouth instead with a blessing uh, upon him. Uh, one of the things that he remarks uh, upon is the beauty and orderliness of, of the camp. That's not just saying, oh, look at Israel. They're, um, they're so good at municipal logistics, or 
military arrangement. No, it is they are the people whose organization is de designed by God. Uh, and the nitty gritty, you might not have liked Nation's decision you know, this week about you know who's on trash duty or you know whatever. You know, hopefully everyone's on trash duty and they just pick up after themselves and they don't have the problems that uh, we might have. They might not have liked you know, the nitty-gritty particulars on any particular day, but praise God it was his order and his plan and Balaam was right in what he pronounced. Uh, and we uh, may struggle from time to time with particulars of whom he sets uh, over us, but praise God he's the one who's arranged it and selected it. So God has decided their order. God has made them mobile, which uh, contains with it the promise that you are not yet home, but you will be, so that uh, they would not uh, become complacent or passive, uh, but they would always be looking forward, always be hoping, uh, always be on mission, ready to serve, uh, as those who are still going to come into their final and full rest, which we may do in our lives. Uh, but then notice also that God puts himself uh, at the center. This is no ordinary camp. Uh, they number in the millions. So when uh, when God puts the, uh, the Levites around the tabernacle at the center, it's, uh, it's a pretty significant concentration. The number uh, of the Levites being 22,000. Uh, and then the tabernacle in the midst of them. Um, I'm not sure how big Columbia is. It's probably a little bit more than 22,000, but just to give you an idea of the number of people in that district. Uh, and the people were supposed to be uh, at a distance from the tabernacle. Those who came uh, near, who were not of the tribe of Levi, remember from last chapter, uh, were to be put to death. Uh, if the distance in Joshua 3 verse 4 is an indication um, there would be about a mile uh, from uh, the tabernacle to the nearest non-Levite camp. Uh, and so you uh, you see how this this circle uh, with the uh, with the two mile diameter uh, would create kind of a downtown area. Uh, and Columbia is a helpful city for us to think about this, uh, although, the downtown isn't situated perfectly in the middle, but it does have the prominent place with the big building where wherever you are in the camp, you can see the location of the king, or in our case, the county courthouse, which has a tiny little bit of a similar sense. Uh, God, the king, was in the midst of, uh, was in the midst of his people. He put uh, himself at the center, uh, and he put the Levites around him. You never went downtown if you were the Levite in, uh, in this particular case, uh, and you didn't do so because God is saving your life, remember, from the last chapter, that if you came near, you were to be uh, put to death. Uh, and so the Levites had a very important job, not just acting as a buffer, uh, but also handling all of the tabernacle things correctly. Uh, uh, so that there would not be wrath against the children of Israel. Uh, God put himself at the center and reminded them continually then that their 
their greatest blessing was his holiness, and their greatest danger was also his holiness. They were near to God. He would act for the sake of his name uh, in saving them, delivering them, bringing them into their inheritance. Praise God. But they were near to God, and he would act for the sake of his name. Uh, and so his holiness uh, was a danger to them. Uh, and so God didn't just put himself at the center, but he put himself at a distance. Now here there is a little bit of a difference. God still, of course, has put himself at the center of our life. Our life is hidden with Christ in God. We are uh, a people who, as we were saying just uh, a few minutes ago, our home is in heaven. Jesus is home. You say home is where the heart is. Well, home is where the Savior is. Uh, home is the where the one uh, whose identity is most uh, united to ours is. Bless God for marriage. I love uh, uh, my marriage. I look forward to each of you uh, being married, and there is a wonderful union uh, with there, uh, there uh, in marriage. But union with Christ is greater and stronger, and it is the first union uh, of the believer's identity. And the Lord has put himself then uh, at the center uh, of uh, our lives, and he will act for the glory of his name, which means he will deliver us, he will sanctify us, he will bring us uh, home at last, uh, because this is what he uh, has invested uh, himself and his holiness and the glory of his name in. Uh, and we can look to Christ by faith, uh, who is our tabernacle, the one uh, in whom we draw near to God uh, just as uh, as much and in the same way as any of those Israelites could look to the tabernacle with their eyes and remember who and why they were and where they would end up and that they would be uh, delivered. But here is a great difference. The Lord does not keep us at a mile's length or an arm's length. He has brought us all the way near. This is why, uh, this is part of what uh, we refer to as the priesthood of all believers, where they rejoice in, in Revelation. You have made us kings and priests to our God. Or where he tells us you are a royal priesthood, uh, that we, we all now, in union with Jesus Christ, have been reconciled to God. And uh, we have been brought near to him by faith and glory. And he comes near to us by his Spirit, who is not just with us, but even in us. And the Father and the Son uh, come and make their home um, with us by uh, the Spirit and the ministry uh, of the Spirit. Uh, praise God. Uh, he has... He has brought us near. He hasn't just uh, brought Gentiles past the dividing wall so that they can be mixed with Jews and be near to one another. He has brought all of us through the veil in Christ, uh, in the Holy of Holies, all believers. Uh, and so, uh, as the Lord had, not just by numbering them, but by arranging them, uh, taught them to follow his order, uh, submitting to him, trusting and rejoicing in his wisdom, and therefore 
being ready to serve, being ready to move, uh, having uh, assigned that uh, to them, that they're not yet at rest, they're not yet at home, so he has assigned that to you. Uh, and he's put himself at the center of our lives, where we must always remember our life is hidden with him, with hidden Christ, with God, and we should set our minds on things above, just as we live um, on the earth, uh, rejoicing that uh, he has closed the distance for us by our union with Christ, our great high priest. And so the Lord give you a sense, not just today, but your whole life, that he is the one who has arranged where you are and with whom and what sort of life, what sort of mission you have until at last he brings you finally all the way home uh, into your rest, into his rest. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this portion of your word. Thank you for ordering out our lives, writing down in your book each of our days before one of them comes to be. We pray that you would indeed bless to us this portion of your word, that you would uh, make us to see where you have put us and with whom and under whom uh, as gifts from your hand and assignments for where you would have us work. Please help each one in our family to fulfill today's portion of that assignment by faith in you. We thank you that uh, we shall at last come into the rest that Christ has won for us, uh, knowing that uh, it is not in doubt. But help us, O Lord, since you have made us the church militant and the church mobile to keep pressing forward, even as we have that hope uh, not to be complacent or to treat our current circumstances as if they are our final rest. And we pray that you would turn our eyes continuously to you in Christ, lift up our faith continually to him whom our soul loves because he first loved us, to you whom our soul loves because you first loved us in him. Uh, and we pray that by keeping us mindful uh, of yourself, uh, that you would give us to live with the right purpose and the right hope and the right pleasure. Uh, but also, Lord, uh, give us to see the difference between the distance that was necessary without Christ and without his blood, how you have brought us now near in him and in his blood, that we might rejoice over our nearness to you and our intimacy with you in him. We pray especially for that ministry of your spirit that communicates to us uh, this nearness and this intimacy um, grant to us to live uh, in fellowship with you, we ask. Uh, in Jesus' name, amen.